Hello everybody, this is Lazjam, and welcome back to the era of Nintendo, and I am joined with... Lazzy. Yes, Phantom Thief had to go, well, steal some stuff. I, uh, Joker just released in Smash, so, yeah, you know. He's off, he's off to steal some, uh, some hearts. He's, uh, well, that's what he thinks anyway. He, <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he's donned himself a Phantom Thief, I don't know how much he really is, but you know. Yeah, he, he's maybe stealing a, another direct because we all know the last time that Phantom Thief wasn't here, he went and we had a direct the next week. So maybe that's true. That's true. I... Not likely. And so <laughs> no. uh, we are finally back. Uh, we are so sorry for the hiatus. We actually have some uh, mail that I just want to just go ahead and start right off with, and this is from Cute Brute from Era. And he was writing in to say congratulations on our collective work for this podcast. And he has really enjoyed everything he's heard so far. Uh, he thinks that the podcast so perfectly hones in on the topics and lines of conversation that he finds engaging on Aaron. And everyone seems so sincere and good nature that there is a simple joy in listening to us talk about what we are passionate about. He says, I have seen previous comments critiquing a lack of direct commentary about Resetera and threads in the podcast, but I honestly prefer that and would not recommend any changes. I think the podcast serves as an excellent distillation of the best Nintendo content that we normally see on the site, but without too much insider era commentary. I think the audience could have a good time listening. I've also enjoyed the music intro and outros. Thank you very much. I'm the one who makes it. The focus on Nintendo news and... Everybody can thank Muzzy for that. And I think everybody does a great job of being engaging and concise when talking about the games they're playing. As a specific example of the latter, everyone seems to really appreciate Wargroove. And I think these discussions have never overstayed their welcome, despite the game being brought up across multiple episodes. I still haven't had a chance to play Wargroove myself, but you definitely put it on my radar. I have noticed the latest hiatus and hope everyone on the team is doing well and that any technical concerns are settled. I was once part of a podcast and we always struggle to maintain our schedule between life and technical issues, so I know it could be a bummer to miss a podcast day, but it can absolutely be the right thing to do. I hope everything works out and the show will be firing all cylinders upon its return. I don't really use Twitter and I recently realized I wasn't watching the OT, but it does make my stage to see when a cast drops. Keep up the good work, and I wish everyone the very best from Cube Root. And I just want to say thank you so much for writing in. And yeah, we have had a little bit of a hiatus. It's been cr- pretty crazy between the both of us. Yeah, it's uh, we've you know been schedules misaligning and just uh, sickness and all sorts all sorts of things happening. But but hopefully we're back on track now. Uh, but we thank yeah. you for understanding. <laughs> we definitely thank you for understanding. Uh, yeah. And uh, we also had, just well, last week, you and I, we had some of the worst allergies of our life. I couldn't even talk. I could not speak last week. Yeah, same, honestly. It was so bad. Like, I was, I, I literally, I could not speak. Right now, you can kind of tell my voice, but it's not too bad, you know? Like, I, I feel good enough to do the podcast, but last week, I was just out of it, you know? And it seemed like you were, too, so. <laughs> yeah, I was really out of it as well. And so, um... I just want to say thank you for thinking about us, and thank you and for writing in. And you're right, we are going to continue firing on all cylinders, so let's go ahead and get started. So Muzzy, what have you been playing recently? 
I have been playing. I actually, honestly, I've been playing so many games. I don't even know where to start. But uh, <laughs> oh, actually, the same for me as well. Yeah, I've got a lot of game time in. But so I will actually. I do want to talk about something interesting. Um, so this is not on Switch. Uh, however, on the Nintendo 3DS, I have been playing. Not a game released in North America or Europe. The Great Ace Attorney, the fan translation. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, so I blasted through that real quick. Um, so, d- uh, in case you don't know, Ace Attorney franchise, this is a... I guess you could call it a prequel. It, it's set, like, uh, with Phoenix Wright's ancestor, essentially. Um, it, it's set in Japan for just the first case, to be honest. Then they move on to Great Britain. And then you're adventuring with uh, Sherlock Holmes. Which is uh, interesting. I the their characterization of Sherlock Holmes is honestly fantastic. He's I don't want to give it away much. Like it, it's it's fun to see how how they handle his character uh, for yourself. But like honestly, I just had a blast playing it. I if you're an Ace Attorney fan, I would highly highly recommend playing through this fan translation because it is a great game. My only detriment with it is it left on such a huge cliffhanger. Uh, <laughs> that like, uh, oh man, it makes me really anxious to play the second game. But who knows when they'll finish the fan translation of the second game? But uh, otherwise, yeah, I mean, if you're an Ace Attorney fan, you owe it yourself to play this game. I-, I wouldn't say it's like near the top or anything, but like, honestly, it's still a the the core Ace Attorney formula is just so strong that I I enjoy every game in the series, and they do some fun things with this one, including like, you know. Uh, they had teased this at the end of Ace Attorney 4, but then the mainline series never used it. So it was cool to see in this game they used the uh, jury system, which we had not seen in Phoenix Wright before. I mean, in oh, Ace really? Character. Yeah. Uh, I don't, have, have you played the Ace Attorney games? I don't know if you remember. Yeah, yeah at the end uh, of 4, they had teased that, that they were going to do something with the jury. Yeah, um, I actually remember that quite a bit. Um I recently uh, played the trilogy. That was the most re- recent I played, but I also played uh, four, and I believe I played six as well. Um, and so, yeah, I-, I do have a question for you, though. Yeah. Um, so this is pretty much kind of straight Ace Attorney gameplay, right? This isn't like, oh, yeah. uh, it's like Ace it's... Attorney investigations or anything. No, no, no. This is like it takes. Pl- it-, it has the same formula where it's like investigation, trial, investigation, trial. Um, they do something interesting with this one, though, with the format in that, like, I, I don't, so in the previous Ace Attorney games, the way it would work, would, you would do, like, one episode would have, like, it would do investigation, trial, investigation, trial for, like, one episode, right? Uh, in this one, they do all the investigation in the first half, and then you do the trial at the second half of the case. Really? Yeah, so there's no, like, there's no, like, multiple days for a trial, you know what I mean? Like, it's just... Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's a, you'll just do one big, long investigation, and then you'll do one big, long, uh, trial. But otherwise, yeah, it's the Ace Attorney formula, like, exactly like you remember, you know? Um, and the characters are a ton of fun, it's, like, this is a great game, you know? And it's, it's nice that Shu Takumi is not, like, tied to, like, the established Ace Attorney characters, you know? He's kind of able to, uh, set this whole new world, this whole, all these new characters, even though it's set in the same universe, but... Because because of the time period it's set, and then because, like, literally the only relation is this is Phoenix's ancestor, but because it's not Phoenix himself, he just has a clean slate to work with, which I think he wanted, you know, for a while now. Oh, and, yeah. I think that's something that the new trilogy after 3 really needed, and that's just something that never happened. 
Yeah, cause, because, I mean, they're just, they have to use, like, the established characters, you know? They have to fit it in with the established story, and being able to be free from all of that, uh, I think, helped a lot. And it, it just shows you, like, you know, the Ace Attorney fan, the formula, you don't really have to have, like, the characters we all know and love to be able to make an Ace Attorney game, you know? Like, th- this this totally works with as a standalone product, you know? Like, you don't have to have a big old continuity, essentially. And yeah. So I think that's fun. And yeah, so I've had a great time playing that. Like, if you're a fan of Ace Turning, I highly recommend it. Yeah, just, I give my highest praise to it. So. so just as a question, how are you able to play it with the fan, fan translation? Did you use, like, some sort of reproduction cart? Uh, so personally, um, so you, you can play with two methods and just to be clear, like the, the guys who do the fan translation, kudos to them. They very much stress, Hey, buy a legit copy and play it like that. You know, support the game, support Capcom, you know, and I think that's cool that they have that message, you know? Yeah. Um, so personally, as far as I know, like, I know a lot of people like who purchased the, who imported the Japanese cards cause you could play with the physical cartridge of the Japanese. You can you just have to hack your 3DS, but you can play uh-huh. with that Japanese cartridge. Um, personally, I played on the Android version actually, though. So I bought the game on the Japanese Play Store. They even have a great purchasing guide. So like, even for someone as dumb as me, uh, <laughs> they they take you step by step how to buy it on the Japanese Play Store. You know, um, and, and install the game, and then how to, how to apply the patch onto that version. So personally, I played on Android. Uh, but oh. but yeah, you can play on 3ds also, and, and and either way, like they like I said, they very much stress, hey, like if you're gonna play this fan translation, like buy the game and then apply the patch, you know. And I think that's cool. Yeah, knowing especially that there's a uh, there's a way to do it without hacking my 3ds and just using my phone, I am all in for that. I'll have to keep my eye on that. Yeah, it's like I said. They ha- they have a if you're gonna play the Android version, they have a wonderful purchasing guide that'll take you through it so easily. You know, so yeah, yeah. And so uh, I have also been playing a lot of different games uh, within the past couple of weeks. And first, uh, I just want to provide a little bit of an update um, with myself and my fiance. Uh, my fiance has actually been playing uh, Super Mario Odyssey, and uh, she's now gotten to the point where she's in Bowser's Kingdom, so we're almost near the end of the game, and we're probably going to finish it this weekend. Um, but it's been a really amazing opportunity to just see how she plays. And one thing that I want to stress is just, um, if you see somebody who has never played a, like, 3D Mario game before, and you see them play this game you really do realize how brilliant Nintendo is when it comes to the level design. And so, like, um, one of the biggest revelations, especially, uh, is, like, towards almost every single boss fight, there is at least a preview of what you're going to do before, right? And just uh, having that see like having that click within uh, my fiance's brain that what she did before actually applies it it's really actually quite smart and with people like you and me we're completely used to it and we pretty much always kind of know what you have to do because we've been playing games for a long time for so long yeah yeah and so like for example when you're uh when you uh go and battle the lord of thunder uh, when you're at that boss fight, 
they have that part at the first where you uh, you go ahead and you raise the swords out of the ground. So you can know that, hey, for the boss fight, you're going to need to raise the swords out of the dragon to open its weak, its oh, yeah. weak spot. Right? And so it's just stuff like that that is just so interesting to me. And it's really interesting to see how, like, somebody who hasn't been playing games, how they kind of process everything around them. Because uh, I really feel that people who are used to games, like, they kind of speak game design as their second language. For sure. At least with what they think. And so they automatically know what to do. But for somebody who is not as well-versed, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to see them pick up on these things that, like, for us, it's just, like, established knowledge, right? Like, we just know, like, we know what to do. Like, we know, we, we'll we see a certain thing and we'll be like, okay, like, the game wants us to do this, right? Uh, and But it's funny, like, you're, you're able to see, oh, it's not always so obvious. And it's interesting to see, like, uh, how the game designers design something for someone who hasn't, uh, who isn't so well-versed, you know? in playing some of the games and yeah and something that, that i really love and just shout out to nintendo thank you so much for that assist mode uh it has been it has really taken the a lot of the edge off of super mario odyssey uh for her and it's made things so much easier for her so it doesn't feel impossible and one of the things that i found really interesting is from my first playthrough of playing through the game and through her first playthrough. Since she plays in assist mode and I played in the normal mode. It's really interesting to kind of think about. But uh, we probably died probably a much, uh, about the same many of times. At oh, least from yeah. what I recall from my first playthrough. Which has been really interesting to know that... Uh, something like assist mode in Mario Odyssey is practically the same difficult it was for me playing a normal playthrough of the game. Yeah, that is pretty neat. Like it, it just goes to show you, right? Like it, how important these like these lower difficulty modes are, right? Because it does make it just makes the game far more accessible for people, you know? Because like they're not losing out on things. Like they, they, like you said, like she died just as much as you did playing normally, you know? And so that that's a cool thing to see, like how how these. Uh, how these easier modes uh, kind of help people who are not as skilled, you know, or people who are a bit newer to games or whatever. So Yeah, so that's been really great. Um, one other game that I've been playing has been Okami HD. Ooh. Um, I actually bought it back when it released back on Switch, but I really didn't touch it that much. I played the uh, Wii version of Okami like a million years ago. Yeah. And so just getting to re-experience Okami, I mean, it's certainly 3D Zelda. Yeah. I mean, and it's really good for that. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I haven't played Okami in ages. I did buy it on Switch the day it came out, but like I haven't touched it at all. Uh, maybe I'll go back to it now, but... Uh... It's it's I mean it's like it's a 3D Zelda essentially right just not made by Zelda team. <laughs> um, well, actually, the thing that's interesting is a lot of the team from Okami eventually worked on Zelda. On Zelda, yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. <laughs> that's that is pretty funny to see, and um, and it's also funny, you know, coincidentally how the Zelda game that came out around the same time as Okami also heavily featured a wolf, you know, with Twilight Princess. <laughs> uh, yeah, just a, just a weird, really interesting. But, um, yeah, uh, the biggest takeaway from Okami HD, like, 
And this is why I think this port was really, really, really good. Is they actually took the time and properly utilized HD Rumble. Which Ooh. a lot of developers just don't do. Including many times at Nintendo. Um, but what I love is whenever you're holding the controller and you're running around... You can actually feel the pitter-patter of uh, Amaterasu's uh, feet. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and, like, you know how when you're running and you have a flower trail behind you? Yeah. You can actually feel every single flower sprouting up as you're running. That's and you can feel every single jump and basically every movement that you do. And it feels amazing. That's really neat, actually. Wow. And, you know, like... To get, I know this is a podcast where we like to shit on Capcom a lot, but to be <laughs> fair, the ports that they do are top notch, though. You know, like they they really give up the, their all and and uh, make sure that it includes like it makes the most use out of the Switch features. You know, uh, including yeah. which I didn't even realize. Wow, they're even using HD Rumble to that extent, and that's really cool to see. Um, yeah, and. Okami also features motion controls if you want to use that. I mean, it uses gyro. Gyro controls for the ink brush, and you could also use touch controls. Neither of which I really utilize, but it's still there, and it it makes good use of the Switch. Yeah, for sure. I, I like if personally, if I would be playing handheld mode, I, I wouldn't mind using that touch screen just because sometimes it's just easier to draw a circle than it is uh, <laughs> with the with the right stick, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's neat. it's definitely nice that they they really make use of the system's uh, feature set, you know, because we don't see I don't think we see a lot of ports that do that to that extent. So it's nice to have that for sure. Yeah. So what else have you been playing, Mazi? Uh, what else? That's a good question. Actually, I have the other game that I've been really into lately. Uh, besides, also I started up Phoenix Wright Trilogy. Eastern Tr- after I beat Great Eastern, I just went straight into Eastern Trilogy. Started replaying that on my Switch. Cause, uh, oh, <laughs> I've been, you know, I think I'm going to wait a first sale on that, but I am so down to play Phoenix Wright again on the Switch. Oh yeah, I shouldn't have bought it again, to be honest, because like I, I have these games on DS, on 3DS, <laughs> and now on Switch. This is the third time I'm buying this game, but like, I, I love this franchise so much, you know? Um, yeah. And then the other games I've been playing, I, I there's, there's one specific game I want to talk about, actually, and it's uh, Mextermination Force, uh, which is a weird title, I know. But this is a game made by the people who made Gunman Clive. Uh, or the person, I guess I should say. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember seeing a trailer for all of that. Yeah. So Gunman Clive, if you don't know, this is, these were like two uh, 3DS games on the 3DS eShop that were kind of breakout hits, you know? Uh, they were little like yeah. platform shooter games. and It was the uh, Western like kind of stick figure and draw. Well, well, black and white. Yeah. Or like one... Or like, one... It was like mono... Chrome, I don't know what the term is, but yeah, it's like like a single color essentially. Um, yeah, a very cool visual style. And and by the way, Gunman Clive is on Switch for four bucks, one and two together, which is a great value. Um, but uh, that aside, so he made a new game called uh, Extermination Force. So that's like Extermination Force, but with mechs. <laughs> and <laughs> basically, how the how I would describe how the gameplay is, is like it's like Contra mixed with Shadow of the Colossus. So, uh, this is a boss rush game where basically uh, every level is a boss, right? And you're kind of just figuring out their patterns, uh, figuring out how to beat them. You, you you're often climbing on, literally climbing on top of them. Um, they all they often have like crazy transformations in their second phases, and 
it's a ton of fun. Like I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's a, I would say a sleeper hit of the month because you know April has this month on the eShop has been incredible. You know, just so many games coming out. Just today, Cuphead and Katana Zero came out. By the way, shout out to those. Oh yeah, um, everybody, go ahead and give Katana Zero a try. I have not gotten to play it yet, but it's going to be a good time. I feel. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to playing. Everyone knows about Cuphead. You know, you you know, you know, I know. We all know Cuphead. <laughs> is a, but Katana Zero, that that's a game. I just played the intro actually this morning. I uh, didn't have a chance to play more of that, but yeah. But yeah, Max Termination Force. That's a game that like. Uh, at least if it gets, I, I do feel like maybe at $12, it's a bit asking for a bit much, but I, I still think it's a fun time. If you like, if you like Contra, but it was only bosses and it was colorful, this would be that game. Uh, and, and yeah, I, uh, I give it my, I give it a stamp of approval. <laughs> really? I might have to check that out as well. There's way too many games yeah, releasing just, this month. It is so, April has been packed, you know, not... Not just from the indie front, which, but like we've got, like I said, Next Termination Force, Katana Zero, Cuphead, Steam Old Quest is coming out next month, next week. Oh. Um, but <laughs> and then like from Nintendo, we have Box Boy, Box Girl, right? But then also and like we also have Cadence of Hyrule too. Yeah, Cadence of Hyrule. I don't know if that's this month, but it's definitely yeah, soon, it's next it's week actually. Is it? Oh yeah, wow. April twenty fifth. I didn't even realize that, but okay, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Let me uh, just go ahead and check that just to be sure, yeah. but I'm pretty sure it's April twenty fifth. Uh, but in the meantime, while you while you look that up, I'm gonna. Uh, there's also like, I mean, Mortal Kombat's out this month. You know, uh, we have a ton of ports, including Dragon's Dogma, Final Fantasy X and Twelve. You know, uh, like I said, the Ace Attorney trilogy just came out. Labo VR just came out. Oh, by the way, I was playing Labo VR. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have not gotten a chance to pick that up. Like, what do you think? I think it's a fun user experience. Like, surprisingly so. So. Uh, Labo VR is, it you know, just going in, no, this is a lower-end VR product, you know? Like, just know that going in, you know? Like, do not expect, like, PSVR or definitely Oculus Rift quality, you know? Uh, but that said, first of all, building the, building the headset itself, the building software is super intuitive, you know? Um, it, uh, the, it, it does this cool thing, it, it just like screams Nintendo polish, you know, in the way that the, the UI is designed. And it does this cool thing is like the closer you get to finishing building the part, the music adds more instrumentation. It gets like more, the tempo increases, you know, really makes you feel like you're about to accomplish something, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. And so j just that whole building software, first of all, is really cool. But the headset of itself, it like, it's it works surprisingly well, you know? Like, I think that like, I was expecting the worst of the worst, to be honest. Because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's a 60 hertz refresh screen and it's 720p and, you know, all, all, all the stuff that people know that, hey, this is lacking in, right? But even still, like, they managed to do this thing where, you know, they use these, this old withered technology, in this case, uh, literally cardboard, uh, <laughs> to make a, for actually a fun little VR experience, you know? Like, it, it's, a, it's a good time. Like, I, I honestly really enjoy, like, it, it looks good enough you know like obviously like you have the, a bit of the screen door effect but otherwise and like the graphics aren't the best obviously but it it works well it works well like and, and the games the little mini games that they have in there are fun especially the, when you start building the more elaborate toy cons like the uh the blaster uh some of those games are actually a ton of fun and because of like the mechanical feel that you have of like holding this physical blaster 
you actually feel like even more immersed, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's cool. Like uh, genuinely, like I, I think that if you, if you have a passing interest in VR and you have 40 bucks to spend, I would definitely recommend getting the starter set because like it, it, it it's, it's a fun novelty, you know? And I'm looking forward to trying out Breath of the Wild and Odyssey in it for sure. I'm really curious to see what you're going to think about, uh, particularly Breath of the Wild, with you holding your your, uh, your goggles up to play the game. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, I mean, definitely, I would say the biggest detractor to the experience is that is that you have to hold it up, so your arms definitely get tired, you know. Yeah. Um, but like, I I do think like VR Labo VR is designed to be this thing of like. You're, you only spend, like, 15 minutes at a time, essentially, with it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, which is weird for Breath of the Wild, but I think the, I think with Breath of the Wild, like, the, basically the thing is, like, hey, put on... Because it, it is worth noting, getting in and out of the goggles is super fast, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, b- because you're literally just sliding it into the headset and then just holding the headset to your face, you know? Um, so because it's so quick, essentially, I think, like, the d- design ethos around it is, like, for a game like Breath of the Wild, it's like, hey, play like you normally would, right? Then you're on top of a mountain and you want to see this cool, amazing, beautiful range in VR, just stick it in the headset for a little bit, peek around, and then go back to playing like normal, you know? Or, hey, I'm in Hateno Village, let me just put on the headset, see, be able to experience the village as if I'm really there, you know? And then once again, go back to playing normally. You know, just kind of this in and out thing, basically. Oh um, yeah, I can totally see that. And so, so I, I think it'll work better than people are, because I think when we first heard the Labo VR, it was very immediately dismissed. You know, as like, oh, this is gonna be garbage. You know, um, but the end product I have found to be pretty good. Yeah, like I like it. I, I genuinely like it. You know, I have not heard a single person who is really discontent with Labo VR. And yeah. so uh, I I feel like it's going to, like, I think out of all of the Labo sets, this one is going to catch on even more, especially once you get Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey involved. I think that's, after people start experiencing that, I think that's going to uh, to really send waves. Yeah, for sure. And one last note I want to talk about that. Is that uh, the ease of use of Labo VR? Like once you build the headset, is actually very underrated. You know, because I I, I own a PSVR myself, right? And I, just to be completely clear, like this is not a PSVR competitor. You know, uh, but that said, um, because of the wires and the setup involved with PSVR, it can kind of be a little unwieldy and makes me not want to use it that much. You know, yeah. Uh, Whereas Labo VR, it's seriously like it is so simple to use. You literally just slide your switch in and put it to your head, and that aspect of it is super underrated. And just like how much it makes me want to play with it more, you know, than I would a normal headset where I kind of feel too too lazy or too intimidated to put on the headset, you know? Oh yeah, and um, it it user friendliness has always been something that you know Nintendo was really good at. Right, and something that a lot of people haven't been really making the comparison to is the 3DS. I mean, really, technically, VR works in a very similar way as the 3DS, and it worked despite its 240p resolution. (laughs) I mean, the Switch, 
uh, even with its VR, I mean, it it uses about 368 pixels per eye. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Something like I that. mean, that's still a noticeable increase from the 3DS. From the 3DS so people are yeah. able to... If you're able to handle the 3DS, okay, I, I think people should just, just think about this, right? With uh, Labo VR, it's going to be a bump in increase in resolution. So if you're fine with the 3DS, you're probably going to be fine with VR. Yeah, I pretty much agree. Like, 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 it's easy for the numbers to scare you because you hear you hear all these things, right? Like, VR has to be fourteen forty p or above. It has to have a hundred twenty hertz screen, and for sure, those make for a much better experience, you know. But like, Labo VR still works for what it wants to do, and I think that's worth noting. So, oh yeah, yeah. I just I, I I have to say something right here just to get it off my chest. There is so much coming out in April that. I have not bought anything because I've been so shell-shocked and I have <laughs> no idea what I want to get for this month. And uh, so I have not been able to bring myself to buy any games this month, even though a whole smorgasbord of games are being available. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I, I totally get that, right? It's like literally you have so much that like, you only have so much money, but there's so many games and you don't know what to spend it on that you just end up buying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's where I'm coming from right now. Uh, hopefully I can get Labo VR soon, but I still I still just can't bring myself to spend anything. There's so many games I want to get and so many games I want to try. I mean, there's so many indies. There's also Dragon's Dogma, which I really want to try as well. It's yeah, just me too. Man, it's just like I, I don't have enough time or money in the world, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's literally just too much, man. Yeah, and so I think that's why, like, I've been really delving into, like, a lot of my backlog, which is not a bad thing whatsoever. But oh, yeah. there has been one more game that I've been playing, and that has been, well, it's pretty much the most ultimate experience I could have. Uh, so... Th- Along with the news, Joker was released along with the 3.0 update yesterday. Yes. And this came with a whole wealth of features. So first you have Joker. You have the Memento stage. And that was all paid DLC. Right? So you got Joker, the Memento stage, and some really rockin' Persona songs. Oh, yeah. Then you also had um, some new me costumes and stuff which was okay that that's whatever you can buy these <laughs> if you want you can get sonic and persona characters as God, your the sonic characters look awful by the way but <laughs> oh yeah yeah but not only that they actually added some social features to smash ultimate yeah so now you can edit videos you can create your own export them to youtube you also have a stage creator that you can share with absolutely everybody and not only that, you could share all your me's, all your me designs, and basically, this really unlocks the full potential of Smash Ultimate, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agree, you know? It's like, this, uh, the stage builder is surprisingly robust, you know? After, after Brawl had its stage builder, which had its own limitations, but it worked fine for what it was, you know? Uh, but then Smash 4 Wii U came along, and it, like, 
in a lot of ways, it regressed from Smash Brawl, you know? Well, it had its own new features, like being able to freeform draw and all that, but it definitely was a huge step back, you know? Uh, oh, but yeah. in, in Smash Ultimate, like, it, it truly feels like the best of both worlds, but even beyond that, you know? Like, the, there's so many elements you're able to add to the stage. You can add moving parts, you can add rotating parts, you know? There's, there's special stage elements to it, you know? You can, you, it seems like you can just make a lot more than you could in the previous iterations, you know? Just be able to fit a lot more stuff into the stage, you know? Um, and yeah, it's, it, it actually has ended up being really cool, a really cool thing. And then adding, that, adding this great, the best stage builder we've had yet, adding that with the amazing sharing features that they just added, you know, uh, where you could follow creators, you can easily find like the popular stuff. And it, it makes for, like, Smash Ultimate just got even better if, if you couldn't imagine that to be possible, you know? Uh, <laughs> like, it just, it, it's an even better game than it was four months ago, and that, that's great to see. Oh, yeah. And they even gave a use to the Nintendo Switch Online app. Finally. And actually, I actually tried this, and it's not bad at all. Of yeah, course, it works well. Don't, don't, use it, don't use it for voice chat. No. Don't, don't, please, don't. Just use Discord. But for the app itself, you can watch Smash videos whenever you want. You can uh, go ahead and look at all of your spirits. You can go ahead and see new stages and have it down, download on your Switch if you're out and about. So all these stages could be waiting for you in your copy of Smash Ultimate when you get back. It is actually surprisingly robust, and it's actually really good. Yeah, I can't believe they made a good use of the Nintendo Switch Online app, you know? Like, it, <laughs> the, especially the, the part where you can scroll through stages and uh, being able to see a stage you like and set it to download to your Switch, that's, I mean, that's just a really cool feature, you know? And, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, because it's I think stage, a, a stage builder definitely needs robust sharing features, you know? And, oh yeah, and they've done it. They did it. They they actually they they did this well, and I'm happy. Smash 3.0 has been great. Joker himself, I've I've had a lot of fun playing as him. Just the attention to detail that Joker has brought with him, you know, like this is a love letter to Persona fans, you know. Shame fan. That's probably why Phantom Thief isn't here, to be honest. He, he claims <laughs> for other reasons, but he he's just so invested in uh, play, uh, seeing all the Persona stuff in Smash Brothers right now. That's the reason why he's not here today. <laughs> um, oh. But yeah, no, it's it's great. Like I, I, I love it. I've I've had a great time with it. And Masahiro Sakurai, that man knows how to, really how to bring the fan service. You know. Oh yeah, and you know stuff like this is exactly what a fighting game needs. Um, you know, I've always been a long proponent that a lot of fighting games they don't exactly do much to cater to people who aren't good at the game right so if you buy street fighter 5 yeah you have you have some story modes uh for each individual characters but besides that like what else is there to do and i i feel like it's really amazing that smash is bringing so much so that anybody could have a good time and it's actually bringing the community together like if you're not good at you know playing the fighting game, the fighting game part, you could be an awesome stage creator and you can make all sorts of stuff. Not oh, only yeah. that, but you have a single player mode. You have, 
you can collect music, you can collect spirits, you can pretty much do anything. And so, like, if you're not a top-tier Smash Brothers uh, player, you can still find plenty of enjoyment from this. And having a stage creator and being allowed to share your stages, that's going to keep that casual audience coming back and playing online and using the online features, yeah, even I, if they're not particularly good at the game. I mean, I think it's worth noting, right, that, like, because uh, I want to make, you, you mentioned Street Fighter Five, so I want to make that direct comparison, right? Because uh, Smash Brothers is doing this thing where it's similar to Street Fighter Five. It is uh, it is adding features through free updates, right? But the key difference is Smash Brothers, when it came out, was already so content filled, already so robust, already so much to do and so much to see, you know. That and then for us to get more on top of that, like that's just incredible, you know. Versus Street Fighter Five, I feel like it was bare bones, and then the updates were just making it to be where it should have been on day one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, whereas Smash Ultimate, like, it was all, uh, just from the beginning, it was already just so content-packed. And it's great to see them just be like, you know what? We want to add even more. Um, real quick, I want to know on how they did the announcement. Because I think it highlights just how crazy Nintendo's social media presence has been. Uh, this year in particular, you know, um, because they just uploaded a, a 15 minute, which is not a short amount, you know, that's like an investment, <laughs> a 15 minute <laughs> video about Smash 3.0 just randomly at 8 p.m. At, on a Tuesday night, you know, and this thing has garnered almost 4 million views on the U.S. version. The Japanese one has another million on top of that, you know, uh, like the retweets and likes for this thing have been just insane you know and this is just a video about like updates you know like here's joker's moveset and here's here's like just some new free stuff right like this it's not anything mind-blowing necessarily uh but the fact that this thing has garnered so much attention you know uh just really shows you a just how big smash has become and just how big nintendo's social media uh presence has been lately Oh, yeah, and th this is only going to increase because uh, the Super Mario Maker website says that information is going to be coming soon, and so I almost guarantee something of a similar sort is going to happen for Super Mario Maker as well, and oh boy, like, that game is it's really... <laughs> it's really amazing just to see what Nintendo has done, and they've gotten to the point where they really don't need directs as much as they used to. Yeah, like, whereas before, like, kind of, basically every piece of information that Nintendo would give us would come through the form of a direct, right? Uh, whereas this one, yeah, they just ran, like I said, they randomly put it out on YouTube one day uh, without any warning at all, you know? And it was able to get this much attention. Like, they don't even need the direct format to be able to announce new features for games or to be able to talk about uh, certain things, right? Uh, like, even the next thing, I guess we might as well move on to the next thing, too. Like, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 just randomly got a release date on Twitter, you know? Uh, yeah. Because they just, I, I don't think that, like, they're not beholden to, oh, we need a direct to, to, uh, to just for, like, these small updates, you know? Like, our, our Twitter presence, our YouTube presence is so strong that, like, they, we don't really need this, you know? Um... And so, yeah, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, though. That's coming out July, 6th, July 19th, right? Yeah, it's the uh, weekend after Spider-Man Homecoming. So good, Definitely a good time to put it, yeah. 
Yeah, it's not exactly the best time to put it. I mean, Tecmo Koei, you guys should have released it this week. I know April has been really <laughs> full, but come on. Like, if you release it the week before Endgame, oh, that would have been, been amazing. Because, you know? like, I mean, Marvel, right now, like, Infinity War is, like, the the entertainment uh thing of this of the century you know like event entertainment event of the century you know like the hype for that is just unreal uh so it definitely would have been a good time to have a tie-in marvel game uh around that time but still i think july is it's weird though because like first party games wise i do think like the first half of the year has been a little empty right um and i think part of that was hurt by maybe marvel and Fire Emblem should have come out a little bit earlier than they are, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, because, I mean, because the second half is unreal, right? I mean, July alone, Nintendo is publishing three games at retail, you know? Dragon Quest Builders 2, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, and Fire Emblem 3 Houses, you know? And I want all three of those games, but I don't know what I don't know what I'm going to pick up, you know? Because... That's yeah, what, that's and then you, you have Mario Maker the month before that. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely insane. I mean, the the pace of new releases from June onwards, they are publishing definitely... I mean, without even announcing any more games, which they almost definitely will at E3, you know? But even if they don't announce a single other game, from June onwards, they have more games than there are months in the year left, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know how they're going to fit all this in a, in a year. Yeah. So speaking of new games that we might potentially see this year... Um, so Reggie's retirement has officially happened. Uh, our boy Reggie is now among the stars, and he's following various Nintendo Twitter people and everything, and he's he's now part of Twitter. And one part of that was he actually had a goodbye, a whole sorts of goodbye notes from everybody at Nintendo. And apparently Retro Studios sent Reggie a picture, and you get to see one hand of something that we have never seen before. And Reggie purposely covered it by a statue of Mario. And yeah. we actually found out later from an art designer who works in Retro Studios that, yeah, this is actually a low-key tease. I, and, you know, this picture, I... So it was, like, for context, like, this was a, a picture of, like, characters that Retro Studios has worked with, right, or worked on. So there's Donkey Kong, Diddy Kong, Dixie Kong, and uh, a Metroid and Samus, right? And then, like you said, there's this one character. We see his little robot hand, but he's obscured by the statue of Mario that Reggie put in front of it, you know? Uh, but makes you wonder what this little robot man is. Uh, very curious. <laughs> yeah, I... Maybe this... Do you think that this means that Retro is going to have a game released that is not Metroid Prime 4. You know what? I'm hopeful. Yes. I'm going to go with... Yeah, I'm... It, it, the arc we've gone through with Retro Studios has been so weird, you know? Like, the last game that they released was Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze in February of 2014. That's over five years ago, you know? Um, and we know for sure, we know for a fact, their next project is Metroid Prime 4. They just started on it this past January or whatever. Um... Or maybe just slightly before that. And that'll come out in three, four years, right? Three, four, five years. Uh, but what have they been working on the last five years? Well, yeah, we had these rumors of, like, Star Fox Grand Prix, which turned out to be not so real after all. Um, 
And I think at this point, before Reggie teased this, I think a lot of people, myself included, had kind of given up on the idea and just assumed, okay, whatever Retro was working on for the last five years has been canceled, right? Um, yeah. But with now with this tease, with this little robot man, I kind of have hope that actually Retro's been working on a new IP and that we're going to actually see it this year, you know? Uh, I have faith. I have hope. <laughs> that we're going to see Retro's game this year. Um, whatever whatever they completed before moving on to Prime 4, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, this is an, certainly an interesting time. I We've heard multiple rumors about Retro, uh, one of which was them working on a new IP. There were some rumors that that was canceled, but... You know, something in my gut maybe tells me that maybe it wasn't canceled and it's it got resurrected somehow. And yeah. now they're willing to push it out to release because why would they tease something like that? Yeah, I, I feel like, I mean, like they had to have known, right? Considering how Reggie, I mean, it was very purposely obscured, you know? And oh, like, yeah. I, and I feel, and even that, like, it doesn't make sense for them to put a picture of a canceled game <laughs> and give it to Reggie, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I I I think at this E3 we're gonna see Retro's next game, and I think it's a new IP. Yeah, and yeah. and hopefully out this year. Not like not that 2019 needs any more games than it already has coming. You know, uh, <laughs> but I I do think yeah I think we'll see it this year. I think it'll be out by year's end. Yeah, and so uh, we actually have a little bit more rumors. Um, first off was Nikai who. They're extremely reliable when it comes to uh, predicting Nintendo, and they 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 have had an extremely huge track record when yes. it comes to rumors like this. And they report that the Switch Lite is coming this fall, which that was something that we already knew. But the other thing they said is that uh, the Pro Switch that they're making, like the next iteration from the Switch has been delayed uh, because of power consumption issues, and it has actually been delayed to be supposedly a next-generation device. So, pretty much a Switch 2, for all we know. So, it was interesting. So, this, um, the thing you mentioned, that was Eurogamer's translation, right? But then Gamatsu yeah. did their own translation after that? And according to them, apparently, like, this Pro Switch was being delayed was not even mentioned at all. Um, according to Gematsu, the translation, the more accurate translation would be that they are working on a next-generation Switch, that they haven't decided who who's going to be the concept lead behind it yet, but uh, it, the, the whole part about the Pro being delayed because of what blah, 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 apparently that part seems to have been a mistranslation, actually. Um, oh, yeah. So they are merely talking about a next generation. Switch a next generation only. Switch starting development fairly soon. They're gonna. It's gonna go into full gear pretty pretty soon, is what Nikkei is saying. Um, like I said, they haven't decided. Like uh, they haven't decided on much yet, but like it's just like it's in the works. Uh, so so I would say this means that that doesn't mean that doesn't rule out a Pro Switch, but it doesn't mean that it exists either. You know, I feel like this. This kind of says nothing about it, you know, uh, basically, because yeah. they just talked about, yeah, for sure, a, a light switch is coming out. 
this fall and that hey they're working on the next generation so i don't know what the deal with the pro switch is right now i'm leaning towards it still existing and i think it'll still be out at least by the end of the fiscal year you know um but with the light switch they they do seem pretty confident that hey this is coming out this fall and interestingly they mentioned that it is dockable doesn't mean it comes with the dock but it is dockable which Uh, is absolutely music to my ears I mean, if, if I want to have another Switch in the house for my fiancé or for my parents or for for pretty much anybody, right? This mm-hmm. is music to my ears because they'll still be able to use everything. Yes. And I think that and, makes more sense because I was kind of like... I, I, we mentioned... We've talked about the revisions a couple times on the podcast. But like, I couldn't really wrap my brain around like completely breaking compatibility with certain games, you know? Yeah. Um, and so like... Nikkei, which, by the way, like, like you mentioned, Nikkei is, like, the most reliable source when it comes to Nintendo rumors, you know? Like if they're, some... basically, they're basically the Wall Street Journal version of Japan. Yeah. It's and... the uh, Japanese form of uh, Wall Street Journal. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, they, they are extremely reliable, you know? And, um, yeah, so I, it, it makes sense. This makes more sense to me, you know? That a light switch, even if it doesn't come with the dock, the fact that it'll still have the core functionalities of the switch, that just makes sense to me, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I Ultimately, here's what I think. Um, I think the whole device itself will just be a little bit bigger than the tablet itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, just enough for it uh, to stick slightly, for the analog sticks to sit, stick slightly out from the uh the original switch dock yeah um i don't think it's going to have detachable joy cons it's just going to be one whole thing right uh and so they don't need to worry about any of the uh moving parts of the joy cons but for other games you can buy additional joy cons uh so for something like labo you can buy joy cons and they'll be perfectly compatible um and, yeah, I think it's just going to be one solid-state unit and something that is durable. And, you know, I am actually leaning towards 200 for this one. You know, $200. Right, yeah. I can see that. So, Personally, I'm leaning 229 like which is not... It's still cheaper, but not as cheap as you say. Um, but we'll definitely see for soon. Do you still think the Pro is coming this year, though? No, I don't think so. Okay, so you think it's just um, going to be the, the cheaper model this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I, if they're going to do this, I think they want to wait a little bit for the technology to mature a little bit. Right. I mean, because when it was released, Switch was pretty much top of the line when it comes to portable handhelds that are under $300. Yeah. Um, and so I think they might want to just give it just a little bit more time, um, which is really fine by my book. I mean, I really don't want to pay for a Switch Pro this year. Same. <laughs> so, not like Nintendo's forcing a gun on us to buy their consoles and everything. I'm, I, I just think it would work out better. To um, wait a little bit more, uh, have it mature a little bit. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, honestly, like I feel like for a Pro quote-unquote model, you know, because it's targeting like a more power consumer... I don't even think it needs to release in a holiday season anyway, you know? Like, that's the kind of thing you could release in March and be totally fine, you know? Yeah. Uh, and 
I I also think the lineup is completely wrong for for them to release a Switch Pro model. Oh yeah, I mean this I is mean, the year to do a more handheld model, right? This is the year to do a cheaper model because this is the year that you're going to get uh, because of Pokemon and Animal Crossing in particular, right? Uh, this is the year that you're going to need uh you're, you this is the year where you're targeting uh more women, more kids, more casual consumers, you know, more price conscious consumers. And, and people who want something that they can carry around easier, uh, Pro is not for that demographic, you know? Uh, it, it definitely makes more sense to do a cheaper, lighter, uh, more portable version this year, you know? It just, that, that's what makes sense for the lineup, you know? Oh, yeah. And just think about this. Like, w what games would they use to advertise the increased power of the Pro Switch I mean, we had Smash Brothers that released in December, but it already runs 1080p, 60 frames per second, 720p on handheld, right? And then you have games like uh, Link's Awakening, which is definitely going to run 60 frames, 1080p. Yeah. Animal Crossing, which is not intensive at all. No. You have Pokemon, which is going to be pretty intensive probably, but I don't think they're really going to do anything about it anyway. And then you have something like Mario Maker, which is not a graphical stunner that's by not, any means. No, that's not a game that you need extra power for at all, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, these are all games that, like, you're not even going to be able to see the inherent benefits for the Switch Pro, you know? Because they just, like... I mean, the most core title they have coming is, like, Link's Awakening, you know? And that's not a game that's going to benefit from a Pro model at all, <laughs> you know? Like, this is a... It's a top-down 2D game that's going to run already like you said at 60 frames per second it's going to be 1080p almost certainly you know like they don't they're, they don't need the extra power for Link's awakening you know <laughs> yeah um i would i would be very sad for them if if they couldn't get that to work because a link between worlds worked just fine on the 3ds and that has dinosaur hardware <laughs> yeah so i mean yeah i don't think they could like like you said like th this year like there's no game to tie in a pro with, you know? It just doesn't make sense to release this year. Uh, whereas yeah. a, a cheaper one totally makes sense, right? Like, you can totally see that appealing to someone who would buy a system for Pokemon for Animal Crossing, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, I I think, you know, I think they there might not even be a pro Switch. I I don't see... If, if they're already priming for a Switch 2 to happen within the next couple of years, like three to four years, I I, I, I think Nintendo is just going to want to, you know, just keep things low for now. I mean, the Switch is already doing great, and the Switch Lite is going to do gangbusters, no matter what is going to happen regarding that console. And so I feel like Nintendo is just going to lean back you normally want to do uh new revisions more towards the point where s sales start to fail like fall and everything i don't think this is the right time for the pro yeah i, I mean i think i mostly agree honestly like it i i the most you could say is like maybe some third-party games could run a little bit better but like because I, I see this argument on reset era in particular right in the indie thread about the revisions where people say oh we need more hardware power to to attract more third parties, but realistically speaking, there's not going to be any third party who says, who says, oh, I see the Pro has more power, now I'm going to make a Switch game. Like, I just don't think that's going to happen. You're still going to target the base Switch, 
you know? Oh, yeah. Like, you're not gonna, you're not just gonna ignore this install base that's gonna be 40 million plus by the end of this year, you know? Um, I, why would you ignore that huge, huge, huge install base? You're not gonna have any third parties that are gonna jump on board because of a pro revision. That just doesn't happen, you know? No. Um, it, it, it just won't. And I, I feel like they would want to wait until the next generation Switch, but. Even with the announcement of the PlayStation 5, right? I mean, not much is really going to change in the 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 third-party division. I think it's going to remain pretty much the same. Yeah, I, I mean, a Pro I... isn't going to change anything, but no. a next-generation Switch, that is something that will. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, then, then that'll be a whole other... Because it'll, it'll be a new system, right? And that'll be... That you're starting from fresh-ish. I assume it'll be back. Who? I mean, it's way too early to speculate about Switch Two, of course. But um, but yeah, it's like that. A new generation is when you could see. Okay, oh, now we're on board. But definitely, like a mid-gen refresh is not going to be convincing anyone. You know. Yeah. So, and um, the fact of the matter is, whenever the PS Five releases, right. It's going to trounce the Switch in so much power. This is going oh, yeah. to be something that's similar to the uh, the difference between the Wii and the Xbox 360 and PS3. Yeah. I From what we hear from the PS5, it's going to use ray tracing, which is a completely separate lighting system. And so it's going to be a lot harder to get uh, you know games from the PS5 onto a base Switch. You know, and so... A pro is never going to fix that. So I think Nintendo would be pretty uh, good in just waiting. You know, they started development now. um, So they could release it maybe two to three years from now. 2021, 2022. Yeah. And then things can pretty much start over where the Switch was. Except, you know, relations with third parties will certainly be be a lot stronger than they were. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think that, like... Nintendo, like, you, you just kind of have to accept at this point, right? Uh, two things. A, Nintendo's kind of just, uh, they set their own generations now, you know? Like, they are fully separated from what's going on with, with everyone else, you know? Like, they don't they don't really, they will release a game four years up after the other consoles c- come out, and it doesn't matter to them, you know? They're on their own cycle. And the other thing is, like, you just have to accept, even with a pro revision, even with a new system, like, they're never going to be... Uh, to the extent of what a PlayStation or an Xbox power is, you know? No, they're just not in that race anymore. They don't, like, and they don't need to be, you know? Yeah, uh, Nintendo is doing just fine, especially considering that, you know, the Switch is a handheld system, and that's really what it's being used for, um, along with being a very convenient system. I mean, really, what the, the thing that they have to do is just, you know... They just got to do it again, and, you know, they're they're kind of in their, their track that they set with the Game Boy uh, on, right? Because the yeah. Switch very much is the handheld line of games. It took over yes. the Vita, you know, a lot of Japanese developers are on board, so we're getting tons and tons of RPGs, a, a lot of backlog, uh, and just, like, a lot of games. But the difference is, like, now you can play portably. Yes. And that is never going to change no matter how powerful it is. And I don't think a Switch Pro is going to really change anything. Yeah, I yeah, wholeheartedly agree. 
But it could still very well happen. I could see it happening sometime in 2020. But I, I definitely don't think it's going to happen this year. Not this year. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And so, there is one final thing I want to bring up. One of the most important things. Oh? Reset Era, uh, <laughs> a member of Reset Era, has created artificial intelligence that recreates discussions on Reset Era. And apparently, there is an AI version of myself and an AI version of Phantom Thief. I missed out, unfortunately. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea why the AI did not take to you, Muzzy. Oh, well, it happens. Uh, but Phantom, yeah. I, I have to say, th- these things are hilarious, you know? Uh, yeah. Phantom Thief is evil, but to be fair, in real life, he is too. So, you know, I think <laughs> it, it's only reflecting reality, you know? Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to have to get into that. But first, we must see what AI Lodgejam has to say. Let's see. And this is really funny because I most of the time don't even talk about EA or Anthem, or really anything regarding that. However, I made a thread called EA's response to Anthem's new threat. Anthem is one of the most anticipated games of 2019, and it has seen a lot of backlash and criticism. It was originally supposed to be a mobile game, but a few months ago, it was announced for the PC and Wii U. Since then, EA has been very quiet, and it seems as if EA has no intention of addressing the issue. Whoa, my lord. This is not part of it, but if they're releasing on the Wii U, yeah, that is a huge issue. Yeah, it's pretty bad. (laughs) Going back on, they have never been successful at creating a competitor to EA, and there is nothing to do about it. EA's response to Anthem seems to be mostly through canceling the game and addressing the issue with a series of free updates. This seems to be the best response I've seen from EA to the issue, and is still the reason why I'm waiting for the next Destiny expansion and the second Destiny in 2019. So AI Jam loves EA. Uh, yeah, very strong things about EA. Loves that de- you're looking forward to Destiny. You know, you're a big fan of Destiny. Yeah, uh, and <laughs> and Destiny two and the Destiny expansion. Yeah, in 2019. Yeah, <laughs> I just find it funny that EA canceled their game and. Started issuing free updates of their canceled game. Yeah, it's kind of strange, isn't it? It's an <laughs> interesting <laughs> business model, I gotta say. It's like a reverse early access, you know? Maybe that's this what time... will do. Maybe that's what... <laughs> Instead of adding content to the game, you first get your content, and then you get free updates to get rid of that content. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's, that's a brand new idea. And I also made another thread... PSA, Titanfall 2, the end of the end of an era era. It's been a while, but it is finally here. The end of an era 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 is this time when a tire game or the game you are playing hits a point. Every game is Metacritic's worst version of its original, so chances are you're going to get a huge number of negativity about it. You'll probably get a ton of hate, but people will still like you for playing the game. I don't want to go into every single game, but it's nice to have people complain about a game that didn't do anything for them. This era era stuff is just some of the shit that happens in the gaming industry all the time. So how accurate would you say is this post to your actual postings? Uh, <laughs> this is pretty much the opposite. Right? <laughs> you know, I don't think I'll ever get to a point where uh, I... Uh, 
say it's nice to have people complain about a game. <laughs> that is very much not my MO. So, <laughs> this is a very good, very, very good evil Lodge Jam. It's the dark AI Lodge Jam. Uh, which, by the way, we should link that thread in the some description. Uh, oh, yeah. Podcast. Yeah. We'll link this hilarious AI thread because it's, uh, <laughs> it's a doozy. It is something. And so, we also have Phantom Thief's counterpart. And so, first Phantom Thief says, In the wake of the PS5 success, I've started playing buying my Switch games on PS Plus. So this part... This part of my yearly rotation, and it's been pretty crazy how many games I bought on PS Plus in the past year. I've also started games on PS Plus on my Switch, so no surprise that at least PS Plus games are getting these. Not to mention the free games that are available on PS Plus on the day before release. I've been putting it off for a while, but I recently picked up Super Mario Maker 2 on PS Plus, and it's the first game I've actually played, so I can't say I've played it. Enough to know if it's the first game that I played. <laughs> it's really interesting to see how many games are getting this and how many games are getting that on PS Plus. Oh, Phantom Thief. <laughs> that's our so, Phantom Thief. That's our boy. I feel like that one's accurate. You know, that's... Uh... <laughs> but this, this is... You know, he loves PS Plus. He loves to buy his Switch games on PS Plus. You know? Uh, he... <laughs> Perfect for PS Plus Switch. No, if, if there's anyone I know about Phantom <laughs> Thief, yeah, that, that's what it is. Uh. Yeah, and I know there is one you are really excited about, Muzzy, so would you like to go ahead and read that one? Oh, sure, yes. Uh, actually, I don't have it in front of me. You, you go ahead and read it, because I don't have it in front of me. But that this post is my absolute favorite. <laughs> oh, I don't think I have it right now either. Oh. Well, you can go ahead and you can find it, because I really want to hear you read it. Okay, but. I actually found me- it, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Go so, ahead. So Go Phantom- ahead and get it. But- AI Phantom Thief made a... Th- oh, yeah, sorry. But I just want to go ahead, and I want to say thank you, everybody, for listening to all of our nonsense, and yeah. especially <laughs> our AI counterparts. Thank you, everybody. And if you hate our AI, please send all of your hate mail to eraofnintendo at gmail.com. Or also check out our Resetter thread, really, or our Twitter. Or really, just contact us. It's been an amazing, amazing time having this podcast with all of you. And we are finally back. Yes. And to close us off, I'm going to read this beautiful thread that AI Phantom Thief made. Uh, Is Hideo Baba a saint? Hideo Baba is an incredibly terrible man. He was one of the worst men in gaming and has absolutely no place in today's AAA gaming. He has become a god, a saint... A silver star, a legend, and a legend. He is a saint of horror and a god of horror. He is a saint of psychological horror. He is a saint of horror, and he is a saint of horror, and he is a saint of horror. He is a saint of horror, and he is a saint of horror. He is a saint of horror, and he is a saint of horror. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a beautiful poem. Just wonderful, Phantom Thief. We... uh... (laughs) Yeah, well, we love you, Phantom Thief, and we wish you were here. He might be gone next week as well, but we will see. But he is certainly going to be missed. 
But in the meantime, at least we can replace him with artificial intelligence. Yes. And so, uh, keep keep it up, evil phantom thief. Keep writing that poetry. Some way, somewhere, you will find your way and poet your way into my heart. And so, I think this is going to do it. We are Era of Nintendo, and my name is Laz Jam. And I'm Muzzy. Alright, we hope you have a fantastic day, and keep up playing all those games. And do not let artificial intelligence ruin your day. Bye. <laughs> See ya.